Welcome to GT Radio, the original Geek Therapy Podcast on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. We are a weekly celebration of geek culture and mental health. What, what does that mean exactly? We are a group of mental health and psychology pros who are here to geek out, talk about the things that we, we love and care about. I am Jose Cardona with Laura Taylor. Hey. Lauren Keller. Hello. And Ali Matu. Hey, everyone. All right, so uh, guys, this episode, I'm going to call it Video Games Are Cool, because they are. That's yes. kind of uh, <laughs> something that um, kind of funny. I really like uh, the, the podcast and, and the shows that they do. And every now and then, they're talking about games, and sometimes, sometimes they'll just look at each other and be like, you know what, man? Video games are cool. And someone will respond, video games are cool. And it's true. It's like, it's become kind of like a little mantra that they say. I, I really like it. I've started saying it myself, because it's true. Video games are cool. Video games eh. are cool. They are cool. And, you know, we've had a pretty shitty couple of weeks. There was a, a horrible shooting at a school in Florida, and it only took um, the president one week to, to blame video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it usually takes less time than that, I feel. Um, Not so, a high score for that one. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I see what you did there, Laura. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. picking up what you're putting down. So I figured this is a good week to celebrate video games and... Not necessarily get into the why video games do not cause people to to commit violent acts. There's we've done episodes on that in the past. I think on every geek therapy show there's been at least one episode about that. There's tons of research and maybe we can talk about it in detail. But today I just want to celebrate video games, just have a good time. And uh, because last week we we forced Lauren to watch a Marvel movie, which is something she usually doesn't do, <laughs> uh, we're we're paying her back. Uh, by by doing an all video game episode, this is kind of her jam, Woo. and so so Lauren, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it off to you. I want you to lead us in some in some celebratory um, video game conversation. Okay, thank you. Um, I uh, I love video games, and video games are cool. Video games are cool. Video games are cool, and uh, I'm really I'm they're really co- they're are cool with a R, not A R E. That means they're extra cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, uh, you know, talk about video games and, and especially on Geek Therapy Radio to, from a celebratory perspective. That's definitely how I feel all of the time. Um, I don't really have a name for what we're going to call this, uh, segment going on. I've been playing with a couple of ideas, ha, playing, um, <laughs> I, in, in our Slack, I've been calling it the play zone because that makes me laugh, but, uh, maybe our listeners have some ideas that they can pitch to us, uh, over the next couple of weeks. I'll just leave that sort of open ended. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to ask questions, um, sort of discussion starting questions and, and have you guys each answer your yourselves and um uh and then depending on how much time is how many questions we'll get through but uh i could talk about games for forever but that doesn't seem like a great idea for a podcast so um i'm gonna start with a question uh what is an example of a game that really gets you into the flow state and i know that everybody here has a good understanding of what flow state is but for our listeners who might not, flow state is um, a state in which uh, the challenge of the thing you are trying to do lines up with your ability to do it. And as uh, as the challenge goes up, you you become more skilled, and that's how you stay within the flow state. I wish I had a way to show you the picture. Um, of the graph that I always refer to. But anyways, the, the point is, is video games are, are really built around this idea of getting getting into the flow state because games are teaching you how to become masters at that game. And so as the game teaches you to do a thing and you become more skilled at it, then it increases the skill and you learn how to do it better. And that gets you in that flow space. So I wanted to ask you guys, what what are examples of games that for you specifically are really good at getting you into that flow state where you're not really uh, self-aware anymore or you're not paying attention to how much time is passing 
Or you look down and you're like, oh, dang, I should have started dinner an hour and a half ago. I'm starving. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, let's let's uh, let's start with Ali. Uh, the, the game, the biggest game that comes to mind that has done this consistently is Mario Kart. It's probably my favorite multiplayer game of all time. And one of the reasons why it always gets me in a flow state is no matter who I'm playing with, I usually have a really great time and i'm probably um i'm i'm best at the gamecube and wii version um the most recent version i'm not as good at but what i like is uh the game sort of um it calibrates things so that if you're in the back of the race you get better power-ups and if you're in the front of the race you get worse power-ups and you get bombarded by more weapons so it it really calibrates nicely that skill meeting that challenge task and it does that in a social way too so that everyone that plays has a good time and has a chance of of winning so it always gets me into that state of flow i'll play like a cup with someone and then pretty soon we've done like all the cups and all the tracks (laughs) and it's like three hours have gone by nice that's a good answer laura i've got a really good example of this um up until 10 minutes, maybe five minutes before we started recording, I've been playing Skyrim. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Last weekend was a three-day weekend, and two of those days, I probably spent seven to eight hours playing Skyrim. I just lost track of the time, and I really enjoy the leveling system, and I play games on easy in general, just so that if I can, that way the, I'm focused more on story and, and just enjoying the content of the game. But um, yeah, lots and lots of Skyrim lately. And I think it's if that's your kind of game, it's perfectly built for that. Other games that have done it for me are like, wow, I think I got lost in, in lots of skill building. And, and I mean, that tailors to... Um, the leveling system too, where things get harder and harder as you go, but you've mastered that to that point and you just get lost. And I, I've done a lot of long gaming sessions with, with WoW too. Can I, can I ask what, what kind of build you're doing in Skyrim? Um, right now I'm, I'm going with my friend keeps, she, my coworker keeps talking about like, you should go and do all the magic stuff. And I was like, nope, I just want to swing axes at people and dragons. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm having a lot of fun with that. I'm just swinging some axes around and, uh, I am freeing all of Skyrim from the Imperials right now. And it's so awesome. <laughs> As someone who's never played Skyrim, what does that mean? Like, what kind of build are you? So it's got, um, like a lot of RPGs, it sort of has three a three-way split where there's mm. uh, the magic user, there's the sword and shield guy, and right, then there's right. like a sneakier yeah. stealth character. Yeah. Um, in this case, it's a lot of archery and, and stealth. Um but the cool thing about about Skyrim is you can sort of, you know, just do whatever you like and you mm-hmm. upgrade your skills by doing things. And so if you're sneaking through a dungeon, as you are doing that, you are upgrading your sneaky skill. Yeah. If you're slashing dudes with an axe, you're upgrading your axe slashing skill. Nice. And one of the interesting things about it is normally um, such open world kind of games uh, end up overwhelming me. Um, I've talked several times with Josue about that, and I typically need a very linear story or a a semi-linear story, Um, but this has not overwhelmed me yet, and I'm all, so far, I haven't had any, like, issues making decisions on what to do next, um, which is, has been a problem for me in the past, and this game, I've just been like, oh, I'm gonna go do this thing. Okay, that's done. Uh, what else is around here? Eh, maybe I'll go do this thing. Um, and I haven't gotten like frozen with having to make a decision. So mm. it's pretty cool. That's uh, that's definitely an aspect we could get into. The idea being that in an open world game, having too many options can reduce your ability to get into a flow state because mm-hmm. you get overwhelmed by all of those choices. 
Yeah. And then you're like, never mind, I'm not going to play. <laughs> I've done that before. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done that too. Um, well, and that's why like a game like Mario Kart isn't flow state inducing for me because there's so much uh, start and stop. Mm-hmm. Like, like once you get hit mm-hmm. by an item, it's like, oh, I lost it. Like now I have to get back into it. Um, there isn't like like continuous flow. That's a good good intro to Hostway. What is what is your flow state game? So uh, the my easy answer, the first one that I thought of was rhythm games like Guitar Hero, Rock Band, things like that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah the way they're designed, like literally your eyes are just looking at one thing. Like you're narrowing your sight. Like after mm-hmm. you finish a, a song in one of those, like the whole world seems to be like moving, <laughs> right? Because you're, you're, even your eyesight is focused and and. Usually in Guitar Hero, up until I get to like the or- needing an orange note to like hard mode, I'm that's like the flow for me. But the game that most does it for me is a game called Resogun on PS4, which is a shoot 'em up. So like you're like a little ship and you're flying around the cylinder, and there's more and more enemies coming at you, waves and waves and waves, and you're continuously getting waves of enemies, and then upgrading your weapon and getting more waves of enemies, and it's one of the first games I ever platinumed. It's a game that I've beat on every level, done flawless runs, and the way that it escalates very slowly, but it's just so satisfying. That's one where if I want to get lost in a game, that, that that's the one I go to. Nice. And that that's the one I watched you play on Twitch a while back, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I call that one like a stress reduction on Twitch or something like that. <laughs> Yeah. What yeah. what does that mean? It's the first game I ever platinumed. I feel like the, I'm the I'm the resident um, old timer here. But what does that mean? <laughs> so um, starting with the Xbox 360, um, you would get something called achievements, and every game has a set of achievements. Bleep and bleep. in Xbox, you would call <laughs> it. Um, you would call it getting a 1,000 uh, gamer score. Most games have 1,000 uh, points, uh, 1,000 points worth of achievements that you can get. Oh. So in Xbox World, you would call that uh, like getting all the achievements. In PlayStation World, it's the same achievements. If the game is on both consoles, it's the same achievement. Just that in PlayStation, you get gold, silver, bronze, and then a platinum trophy if you get all the other trophies. Oh, that's kind of so, cool. Yeah, so it's a game that I beat not only all the way through, but I, I got all the achievements, which means like I did it, you know, without losing a single life. I did it saving, like I did perfect runs at the highest difficulty. Like I did all the other things that the game asked me to do. Nice. Very satisfying. Hosu is so fancy. I don't have any platinums. <laughs> not even a Telltale platinum. Mm, I don't think I finished a Telltale game. Oh, yeah. They just give you one for for, for finishing the Telltale Damn. Um, I don't think I've gotten any any Platinums. Uh, I mean, not that I have a PlayStation, but... uh, It's it's hard work. It is. Uh And they usually have, like, a couple of... Like, I I got really close in in Limbo, I think. I got close to getting all of the... I found all the secrets stuff but the, you had to beat the game only dying three times and i couldn't i couldn't do that one well spiders aren't gonna let you there it's not it, it was really more the later levels where it's like more speed platforming that i'd get stressed out and die by accident um yeah <laughs> but yeah <laughs> i got uh, all the coins on the new super mario brothers for the nintendo ds nice so that's kind of the same thing right it yeah. is. So that Nintendo doesn't do achievements. I know. So that makes me all... really sad since I'm playing Ooh. Skyrim on the Switch. They do. Yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, they do other sort of in-game collectibles. I mean, I'm thinking of Super Mario Odyssey, and that game is like a bajillion collectibles. So yeah. mm-hmm. that's kind of achievement in of itself. Okay, I'm going to answer my own question about fl- flow games. Uh, the the easy answer is Tetris. I grew up on Tetris. Oh, yeah. I could mm. I can play Tetris for, you know, 3 minutes or 3 hours. I love Tetris. And that is a game where it's like I I can't play it on a bus cuz I'll miss my bus stop. <laughs> uh, cuz I'm too focused on on getting, you know, trying to get the Tetris and everything. Um for another example, 
of a more recent game would be like a, a roguelike, something in the vein of Binding of Isaac. I find it really easy to slide into and sort of, you know, if I'm stressed out, I stop feeling stressed out because I'm too focused on the game to, you know, think about my own issues. I get sucked in and I'm not paying attention to the time. Um, I, I feel like I'm making progress every every time I play where I feel like I'm getting better and I'm understanding the game especially in Binding of Isaac where the more that you play the game the more that you start to recognize how rooms are set up and what items do and so once you start recognizing that stuff you be you actually become a better player because you know which items to pick up and which ones to skip over because they're gonna take away hearts or what have you um, so that's definitely a game I can I can get into a good good flow state yeah, Binding of Isaac is is also a shoot 'em up like like Resogun is. So it's that same feeling. Yeah. There's certain games where I was able to get into a flow state and then I couldn't and it kind of ruined it for me. Um so StarCraft is is one of those where um I loved playing StarCraft uh 1 and 2, um the single player. And then uh when I play online and I get my butt kicked, it just no longer is fun for me. Uh, like I would, I would get rushed and I would be killed and I'd be like, it would be game over. And even with the matching system, like I was just so bad at it that I would always be destroyed. So that game just kind of stopped being fun for me. Yeah. I mean, when I was playing Dota two regularly, that, that was a game that if the game was going well, I was definitely experiencing flow, but so frequently I was getting just hate from my own teammates or if mm. that was a game that really benefited from communicating with your team. It is a team-based game. And so it's like if you were using a mic, that increased your your ability to do well with your team. But as a woman who plays mm. games, using a mic generally backfired and made my experience way, way, way worse and so it it got to the point where I was like not using a mic and that was making me play worse and that was making it less likely to have, you know, fun and get into that flow space where I felt like I was, you know, doing well and getting better. And it got to the point where I didn't feel like I was learning something every game or that the, the thing I was learning was, wow, people sure are jerks. <laughs> That's uh, an important lesson to learn. It, it is, but it's not great when no. it's like the 18th time you've learned it that week. Right. So <laughs> The internet is really great at teaching that lesson. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is, yeah. Yeah, Resogun is the only game that I've ever played that I never reached that that wall. Tetris, by level like 17, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like I can't, I don't even know what's <laughs> going on, right? Um, again, in Guitar Hero, once that orange note comes in, I'm done. Like I can't, mm-hmm. I just, it's, it's just not fun for me. And lots of games get to that point where it's like, yes, yes, yeah. yeah, boom. And then I can't, I just, I just can't. Resogun, that's why I love Resogun so much. Never happened. That's yeah. kind of the magic of games though, is that, I mean, in theory, flow state is not sustainable. You can't infinitely increase skill and challenge. So at some point, you're going to either become so skilled that it's not challenging anymore and you get bored, or it's going to become so challenging that you can't, you know, physically get get any more skilled. And like, that's like, you know, original Tetris, where it's like it gets to the point where it, the blocks are dropping faster than is humanly possible to, like, see. So you can't actually respond to it. And so that that would be the other side of the coin, where it's like the challenge becomes too high and your skill can't keep up with it anymore. And that's uh, anxiety inducing and that's not fun either. So that that's why people quit. But what's cool about games is that there are so many, so many good games. And um, some of your skills are, are cross games where it's like if you get really good at a first person mm-hmm. shooter, you know, some of those skills will be useful in other first person shooters or, or, you know, puzzle games is another example where it's like as you sort of start getting the hang of how... Uh, like connect three games work is you can sort of take those skills across games but every game is going to have something that's a you know a little bit different and so a different way of looking at things it challenges you in a different way you know it makes you do things uh under a certain time limit or uh with a certain number of friends or, or and stuff like that where even though eventually a game won't really be able to sustain a flow state there there's always more games to check out I love games. I also think it's cool when you a game might pull you in in the gameplay 
and the story is also kind of what keeps you hooked. Um, oh, yeah. That, that's what I felt with uh, Knights of the Old Republic on the original Xbox. Uh, the gameplay was a lot of fun, and the story just kept me so interested in what was going to happen next. So it's it's kind of a nice break sometimes when like you've been doing a lot of work in the gameplay, and then like you get rewarded by this giant like story reveal. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that narrative games are a little bit harder to create flow because there's not as much challenge. But I don't think it's impossible. I think that people can can get totally maybe flow isn't the right word in that case. Maybe it's more about transportation at that point where you're getting really sucked into the narrative. But immersion. Immersion, mm-hmm. yeah. transportation. They they both go hand in hand with flow, I think. They all yeah. hang out together. Yeah, flow is hard to talk about because so many people talk about flow is like when you're in the zone. It's like, well, you know, you can be in the zone in a book. That doesn't mean um, right. necessarily that, that it's it's not the same challenge, you know, your skill meeting the challenge type of thing. Yeah. And the challenge readjusting to then meet your new skill. Yeah, it's definitely transportation is, is the term that we use um, in, in my classes that we talk about uh, media I- engagement and, and people getting really invested into stuff and sucked in as we've been saying is it's called transportation where it's like your brain basically disengages from your physical space and instead is transported into whatever you're reading or watching or playing i really experienced that with a lot of the classic adventure games um yeah so again like most of my video game examples are going to come from the 80s 90s um, because that's <laughs> when i played the most video games but a lot of the it's classic okay. sierra those games, are good games the best the best <laughs> games old video games are cool old video games <laughs> are super cool so like um uh, Quest for Glory, um, King's Quest, uh, Space mm. Quest, Monkey Island. That was oh, one of yeah, my yeah, right? Monkey yeah. Island. The like transportation, like the jokes, the environment, the colors, the characters. Um, I really felt like I was living a world that was completely based on like Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, but even more fun. Um, I loved those series, and I would love spending so many hours just trying to solve the puzzles, enjoying the jokes, um, all that stuff. It was great. Heck yeah. Okay, uh, I'm going to switch to a new question. And to preface this question, I'm going to do a uh, a shout-out slash plug to the Play Dead podcast, which is hosted by Gabby DeRienzo, who... Um, has uh, worked on several games, but is best known for sort of leading the charge of A Mortician's Tale, which is a game I am very fond of. Um, And the Plated podcast is her podcast, and she interviews uh, game developers and, and various people who work on games and asks them questions about death in video games. And it's a great podcast, and it's introduced me to a lot of really neat games, so you guys should check it out. But at the end of every episode, she asks her guests, what is your most memorable game death? And that can be either your own death in a game or uh, like an NPC that you care about. So let's, uh, let's start with Josue this time. What is your most memorable game death? Easy answer. Eris in Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> Because that that's how did I know you were going to say that? Yeah, because, that, because that's the first time ever that you have a character and you're leveling her up. She's a love interest, and she died in the middle of the game, and like like died for real. <laughs> it's uh, it was something that shocked me then, and uh, I I still remember. But uh, but the one that that affected me the most is definitely in Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons. That um, oh yeah, there's a death in that game that when I think about that game and what happens with that death and what it means uh, in the game, I still get chills. Like it is still one of the most unbelievable gaming experiences I've had in my life. Lara, it is so, so impacted me that I, I wrote a blog about it. You know that Whoa. for us to write anything, it's got to be a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you write yeah. something, it's yeah. even more important than if I actually write something. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. like writing. Mm-hmm. I just don't yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. So that's my that's my real answer. What What did that death mean? Oh, like, I don't want to. 
I want to spoil it. Yeah. So, so (laughs) I guess, so what I can say is the entire game, you're playing it as two um, brothers simultaneously. With each of the analog sticks, you're controlling one of them. And you're going through the story and moving puzzle pieces around and elements of the of the stage with both of them. I and had such a hard time with the two analog sticks, yeah. and I could I gave up playing the game after like <laughs> mm, twenty minutes because I was like I I can't do this. Yeah, it's hard. It's like it's like I can imagine like people's <laughs> it takes brains a while exploding. to get used to. Yeah. 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 And then and then at a certain point in the game, you lose one of the two people. And that you're controlling mm. and but you have to continue on with only one of them now when you had two and by that point you're so then so... you have a physical like yeah. loss exactly. of your yeah. own exactly wow yeah. okay yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah because you're continuing on alone and then you're also okay you guys got it right like you got it yeah. I'm, I'm, and yeah. I'm trying to be vague about it still but by the time that that happens you are so emotionally invested in their relationship mm-hmm. that when it happens you feel like your character because like you feel like you've lost someone, you've lost something. It's a, it's an incredible. I am it's still. I'm oof, so glad that man. you brought it up because yeah. that is one of my <laughs> one of my go to examples of like a powerful game because yeah. that that has that simple mechanic mm-hmm. created such an emotional impact in players. Yep. That the loss like. And, and as you said, Laura, it's like really awkward to control them in the beginning. And it takes, mm-hmm. you know, I think after the first, like you start out in their hometown or whatever, it's like it took until after that first area until I started feeling like I was getting, you know, a mastery of those controls. And then as as you get further into it, especially if you're playing it in one sitting, which I highly recommend, um, and you start getting used to it and you, your brain sort of gets to the point where it's like okay i've got a handle on this and you stop focusing so much on the controls and then when when your brother dies and all of a sudden literally one of your hands doesn't do anything anymore Mm. you're only controlling a two-handed controller with one hand and it's this emotional loss and this physical loss and it's so impactful yeah Yeah. the game has you by the end you're retreading things that you did together alone Mm. And finding a way to do it by yourself, it is, and there's more to it. It's just, it's just incredible. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, that was a I great still answer. haven't found a better example of translating an emotion into a game mechanic. Mm-hmm. I, I still can't think of one. Where, where is that game available? Everything. I think it's even. It may even be on iPhone. I think. And what's yeah. it called? Brothers, Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons. Okay, cool. Highly sure. recommended. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, um, Laura, what is a, a memorable game death that you've experienced? I was trying to think about this, and I've played a lot of games, and I know that there are deaths that I think have impacted me in the moment a lot, but the one, actually, it's not just one, but what was coming to mind more recently, um, pretty much anyone's death in Life is Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I've been I played the first episode of uh, the prequel to that game before the storm, and um, playing through. I, I mean, it's not really a spoiler that that Chloe's dad dies. They they explain that in the first game, but you witness it more. There's flashbacks. Um, in, in before the storm and as someone who went through a parent's death at about the same age, it was so incredibly accurate, um, and powerful. Um, I think it wrecked me for a while and I was like, I can't, I can't play the next episode. Plus I wanted to talk about it with Josue and he still hasn't played. (laughs) <laughs> the conversation about that same topic in the first game wrecked us i know <laughs> the conversation i don't know if i want to do it again um and i think even i mean we we had conversations about the whole first game and i think anytime death comes up in that game it is so powerful and yeah the choices you have to make did, did you finish life is strange the first one the first one yeah, yeah. 
Did yeah. you did you save Chloe? Yeah. Yeah, we both did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck oh those my god, other I people. love that so much. <laughs> Fuck those other people. Yep. Um, oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think when there when you you have to deal with suicide in that game and you have to deal with euthanasia and just any of those moments, it leaves a mark on your soul. <laughs> um, Again, the most fucked up thing that game does is make you feel like you can avoid your father's death. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And give you like 10 different ways that you think you can avoid it. But then at the end, you, in the yeah. end, you can't. Oh. Oh. But then, but then Josue, the you, ha- you have to choice. play this play. You have to play the next one because it gets worse. Damn it. <laughs> but better, I, I but I worse. Will. I will. I'll play it soon. <laughs> soon. Uh, soon. All, soon. I think all of the episodes, including the bonus one are out now. I think. Yeah, I don't think the bonus one is out yet, but the, the three. They said February. Uh, I guess they yeah. still got some time. Couple more days, okay. Yeah. Ali, what is your memorable game death? Uh, well, I, I feel like these are uh, tough acts to follow, <laughs> Lara in this way. Um, mine is a little bit less like um, I don't know. It's much more. I feel like about fictional stuff, but still, I don't know. Important stuff to me. Uh, mine comes from Batman: Arkham City. It's um I'm a big fan of of Batman and the Batman series um in terms of all the different Batman stuff out there the movies the um the games the cartoon shows and Batman um uh the animated series was one of my first big introductions to uh comic book characters along with Batman the um the 90s animated TV show. Again, I told you, everyone, it's all going to come back to the 90s and 80s for me. But but, uh, but you just named a game that was made in the last decade. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. Arkham City mm-hmm. is probably <laughs> the last big, the, the last big recent new game that I played. And um, after I graduated from grad school, I bought uh, a new TV because I had a big tube TV for a very long time. And then I bought a big flat screen and I bought an Xbox 360 and I bought Arkham City and I had about six weeks off before I had to do anything like serious and I sat and I played Arkham City and it was amazing and um, it was voiced by the same actors from um, from Batman the Animated Series. Um, I'm blanking on uh, the actor's name who plays... Um, who does Batman? Um, it'll come back to me. But Mark Hamill plays uh, the Joker. Kevin and Conroy. Kevin Conroy. Thank you, Josue. Yeah. Um, and the there's so many reasons why I love that game. Um, the story is great, and the gameplay is so much fun. I I felt like I was Batman. Like I I, I have a hard time with first person shooters, but this was a third person. I, I get kind of dizzy in first persons. And this third person, the way you just fight, it just oh makes you feel like Batman. And then you can like fly. It was so great. But the story is equally good. And I I guess I'm gonna spoil it because it's an older game. Is that cool if I if I spoil it? Do like, it. Yes. All right. There's two games in the series after that. That yeah. people have had warning right now that you're about to spoil it. Yeah, so in the next yep. five minutes, if you don't want spoilers for Batman Arkham City, you can you can skip the next five minutes. But um, Joker dies, and it was the way it all happens and the way it plays out is so unexpected. I mean, you're spending so much of the game fighting Joker, and then um, how the death occurs, it just, um, I don't know, it hit me really hard, um, and it... Also, the game sort of just ends right there with this image of Batman carrying the body of Joker. And um, I just, I remember finishing that and spending the rest of the day like, I need to kind of be alone and think about this and just kind of reflect on what's happened. Maybe it's because I was kind of playing that game like from beginning to end. Um, but, um, yeah, I remember it just having like a really big effect on me just because of my love of Batman, because of, uh, my love of this game and, and all of that stuff. That's a good answer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, I, <laughs> I have a really hard time picking just one because I've spent a lot of time thinking about death in games, um, which is probably going to be 
my dissertation topic. So I've been, I think about it a lot. But um, pretty much all of What Remains of Edith Finch was incredibly impactful for me. That's cheating. That's 14 deaths. Yes, yes it is. And if you want to hear me get more into it, you can listen to the Headshots episode in which Josue and I get very excited about that game. It's a great game. Mm -hmm. Um, Another really impactful death was in the beginning of The Last of Us. Um, in the basically the tutorial, you you play as a little girl and there's like scary stuff is happening and you don't really know what's happening, but it's scary. And you meet up with your dad and then it goes into a cut scene and um, the the daughter dies and it's really traumatizing so much so that the the dad, Joel, the main character, um, all of his actions throughout the rest of the game, you can link back to that moment where he witnessed and held his daughter as she died and, and how traumatizing that was for him and how that intro into a game both emotionally connects you to Joel in a way a lot of other games can't quite connect you to the, the main character and also really, really got a good intro into the world and and even though they do a time skip for the rest of the game it's much later on after civilization is really sort of fallen apart but it is you understand it so much because you you witnessed that moment that really personal moment that really personal death that loss and and that grief and as the player it's not as personal but because you had played it, it it's personal in that way where it's like it was me I died or it was me my daughter died and, and how that shapes the way that the story is told and how you play through these spaces and how you interact with the other characters it's it's really meaningful um I wish that game had been easier to play because I ended up not personally beating it I watched somebody else beat it because I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't get through all of the really tough fighting parts even though I loved the story stuff but um didn't yeah, I tell that, you the same thing a couple of weeks ago <laughs> yeah yeah this you did you did and that's that is true um there, there are uh, that that is a game that would have benefited from a assist mode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're enjoying this video game conversation, please check out Headshots, Geek Therapy's psychology and gaming show. Every two weeks, we post a new episode, and some recent highlights include: I talked to someone whose entire family was playing Super Mario Odyssey, and each of them played it very differently. I thought that was a pretty cool conversation. And sometimes we do deep dives into games. Like Lauren mentioned, we did a whole episode on what remains of Edith Finch. And actually, Lauren and Ali have also been on the show with me talking about different gaming experiences. So if you like video games, check out Headshots. I'll put the link in the show notes, or you can visit headshotspodcast.com for more details. Okay, uh, I, I've got time for another question. So the last question I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put to you guys is, what is an example of a game character that you felt met your needs for representation? Uh, Laura, how about you? So... I've had a lot of conversations about um, representation in games. That's kind of one of my things. But for me, I've been able to find representation in in a lot of different characters. It doesn't matter if it's someone who is as a white, cis, gay woman. Um, It's not... There aren't a lot of characters like me there, but I've found representation in in others, Um, whether it's a guy or someone of color or whatever characters in games. um, It's more about the story for me, Um, but I'm going to hit Life is Strange up again um, because I think going through the story as Max... And Chloe's story, I feel like, are the biggest representation for me. I remember in the, the deep conversation I had with Josue about the about the first Life is Strange game, um, talking about how when I was young, um, I didn't come out until I was in college. And so going through the process of um, 
And I totally played Max like she had a crush on Chloe because no other way to do it, right? (laughs) Um, I agree. (laughs) Exactly. So with Max and playing that way, I got to have my teenage girly flirtations and not... It was something I didn't have in 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 real life until until I was older, but also with with Chloe, I think it was she like I'm obsessed for months after I played the game. Hostway will tell you I I could not stop talking about Chloe, um, and I think with that it's this idea of sometimes before I got married, I was like I would see a girl and be like I don't know whether I want to be her or be with her so i don't know oh and my I think gosh that, and i had that with chloe that's like, so relatable uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like it's it's like i don't know i'm admiring something about this person how they look how they present themselves how they act how they carry themselves but i don't know whether i want that for myself because of my the way i carry myself and and wanting to to change something or I want to be with that person and I really like them. So so having that experience with the game as well, I think clicked in, in two different ways, uh, both with Max and Chloe's characters. And I love them both. Mostly Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really nice to have um, that sort of queer representation of, of like awkward teens that are hella dope, yo. Right? Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. care. And I was such a goody two-shoes in high school, too. Like, I was all my <laughs> friends. I was the lookout for all my friends, right? So something about Chloe really grabbed me. And that's the same thing with Max. Like, Max, it, the way I played Max, very, like, goody two-shoes. And, like, yeah. So it was, it was oh, so many parallels to my life. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Uh, how about you, Ali? Um, I had to think about this one for a while, so I'm glad I wasn't first. Thank you, Lara, for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't... Compared to other media like film, TV, or comics, I don't think there's been too many characters where I felt like, oh, you know, I really relate with this person. And that's probably more of an artifact of me not playing a lot of video games in the last few 15 years or so. Uh, But as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about games that um, really resonated with me when I was younger and games I just really got into and I got into some of the characters and uh, the game series that really came up for me was Wing Commander. Uh, I don't know if anyone else here has played the Wing Commander series. Anyone ever? Is that like a flight simulator? It was a space flight simulator. Ooh, okay. um, So it's known for a few things. Uh, One of the things it was known for is it all... Mark Hamill? Yeah, Mark Hamill. That's... (laughs) Yeah, so... There's a theme with all these games. (laughs) I feel most represented by Mark Hamill. (laughs) I just really resonate with, with, like sociopaths and like uh jedi knights and all this um but uh the wing commander game yeah known for mark hamill on the third wing commander game it was a interactive movie um i think it came on like four cds and um you would play a little and then this movie scene would play out and mark hamill start as a main character but every wing commander game would always push the specs of your computer you'd basically have to buy a new computer to play the new game um but there was a character in the wing commander series um named hobbs and hobbs was a uh, the, the wing commander series is basically about humans fighting these evil cat creatures <laughs> they're kind of like klingons from star trek but cats and um, Hobbs was a character who defected from the cat creatures known as the Kilrothi and joined the Terrans in their fight. Um, and something about this character really resonated with me, um, the, the fact that he was standing up for what's right and he sort of was uh, alienated from the people he knew. He was living with uh, different people who didn't quite um, feel like... Uh, he belonged or he should be there. He was fighting alongside all these humans and the humans kind of treated him really crappy, um, except for Mark Hamill's character. Uh, Christopher Blair, I think was his name. 
Um, so that character really, it just resonated with me. I, I kind of grew up, um, being the only brown kid in my elementary school. Um, and then I transferred schools and I felt there, then I wasn't the only brown kid, but I didn't know anyone else. And I felt really alone and socially anxious. And I felt, um, different and I liked seeing that representation and I liked that, um, Hobbs and uh, Christopher Blair, the two of them were were really good friends. Um, the sad part of all of this is he ends up kind kind of being like a traitor at the end, but the reason for that is he's taking a stand again against the Terrans, who are basically about to like they develop this gigantic bomb weapon thing that's going to destroy the Kirathi homeworld, and he doesn't think that that's right to destroy this these people's planet which is his planet so he kind of turns back to them spoilers for this 30 year old game <laughs> um so that was like one character that really came to mind um and i wish i had more examples but i don't like i don't want to say like dalsam from street fighter because street fighter has such like big stereotypes <laughs> it's big racial yeah yeah i was actually I was really interested to hear your answer because you know you said you were um, your family's Pakistani, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but you grew up in America, so you're American, right? And there is not Pakistani American representation in games. I honestly, I could go deep into researching, and if any <laughs> listeners know of an example, please tell me. But I honestly could not think of a single one. I think and so it's like like having to find that representation in in you know space fantasy. Right. It, it's it's. I think really says something about the state <laughs> of video games. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're you're right there. Um, and it just um, I can't think of any examples. Uh, so there's like we talked about in a previous week's episode. There's a very different experience to being. Uh, Pakistani or anything from South Asia from being Indian or Bengali versus being Pakistani American, Indian American, um, Bengali American. And um, I can't speak to many games that I remember. And sometimes we get um, uh, scooped into um, like the Middle East and people will say, well, what about Prince of Persia? Um, there's representation. What? It's like, no, that's, <laughs> that's not, not the same uh, at that's all. That's not the same. <laughs> So yeah, I can't I can't speak to many examples, Lauren. Yeah, okay. Game makers, if you're listening to this, there's still representation needs out there that need to be met. Make it happen. Maybe is there like comics a, are ahead of the game? Totally. Well, that's what I was going to say. Well, is there like a, a Miss Marvel? <laughs> is there like a Miss Marvel decades game? Decades on video games. Miss Marvel. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think they even added her into Marvel versus Capcom. No, that's. Oh my gosh! If they did that, Lara, that would be like maybe maybe that's maybe that's coming for like the the DLC. Oh. Oh my gosh! I would lose my mind if that happens. I believe she's in a couple of Marvel games. She might be in the Lego in one of the Lego games. Um, I believe she was in Heroes Omega as a skin and i believe she's in some of the mobile games too because she's pretty popular i need to i need to buy those games then yeah okay hostway do you do you have an answer you want to give now yeah so i mean i thought it was funny that you said that meets your needs for representation because mm-hmm. i'm hispanic but i'm i'm white so as far as looking like me i've never even felt that need at all so it, it took me a while to think about it but something that i've thought about in in recent years is um for like two thirds of my life, I've been overweight, and the bad guys are usually the only ones who are on the chubby side. There aren't that many like plump heroes, and so I started thinking about that. And uh, like other than Mario, right, who's like got a little belly on him, I was thinking of Overwatch, which has a lot of diversity in its in everything, really. Yeah. But, Roadhog. Yeah, but thinking about body image, right? You've got you've got May and Roadhog and Zarya, and like they're all actually is Roadhog a hero? Because some of them are villains, but yeah, um, I think he's a villain. Yeah, but most of them are considered like you still call them heroes, right? The the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think that Overwatch does a does an amazing job of of showing again different body types across the board, and I think that's 
that's really cool. And there isn't, again, a lot of that. Like, like using Street Fighter, right? It's like, well, you know, E Honda was like, you know, the one fat <laughs> character you could play as, and at least he wasn't a bad guy. There, there are small examples, right? But just I was trying to think of heroes, and I think I think Overwatch probably does the best job of that. Battleborn too. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely, Battleborn. Yeah, yeah, and probably, <laughs> I mean, probably games like League and Dota that have, you know, like a hundred characters probably have some diversity in in body types also. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, no, a little, well, maybe not. <laughs> I but mean, you Dota know, character's got over a hundred <laughs> characters and not too much of that. Yeah. There are there are more like non human characters than there are like women yeah. that aren't Barbie shaped or dudes that aren't super bulky buff dudes. Yeah. Um you know, like character creators are, are like a cheat to to this answer. Mm. Like if you could create your own character, like give us more options. Like it's yeah. kind of messed up. Like, can I get my exact skin tone? Can Ali get his exact skin tone right. um, in a game? And then in body types, it's like it's kind of weird. Yesterday we were all joking about uh, bitmojis, and if you look at body types of bitmojis, it's like thin, thin, still thin, and then blown up. You're like, <laughs> I'm like, there's like a lot between that third and fourth yeah. option, which is yeah, probably like most thin. people. I'm definitely yeah, like most people are between that third and fourth option. Like that's kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah, and it's like an, yeah. it's like a very unflattering big option. It's a, it's yeah. kind of messed up. Um, and a lot of games, like even Monster Hunter, like has this amazing character creator for your face. You can make your face practically look like anyone, but your body stays exactly the same, which is hilarious. Because I'm like this super old, decrepit face <laughs> on a, on this like muscular buff body. It's pretty funny. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, I can't. I wish I remembered where I. It might have been a Polygon article, but it was talking about f- fat phobia in video games and how, like you said, if there is, you know, fat representation, it tends to be villainous. And uh, I think the like the example they gave of of like a heroic, uh, fat character was the the fat princess game. It's mm-hmm. not the title of it, but you don't that actually. Is, that is exactly that is the, the title, title of, of the game. That's what it's you called. You don't actually play as her. She's not the playable character, and so it's like even then, it's like they had this positive yeah. fat character, but then that character gets zero agency, and it, it falls under like fat person as comedic. Right, yeah, right. Because like she's literally like she blows up and then she bounces around the screen, and you have to carry her because she's so fat that she can't walk. Like yeah, she's definitely yeah. not a hero. <laughs> That, and yeah. this seems like a like it, this is a problem across media right now is when it comes oh, yeah. to body yeah, yeah. size. Um, most most stories do have that trope as um, larger characters are just used for comic relief or um, fat is associated with disgusting. And there's not a lot of diversity in body shapes in like print in TV and film and, and all of the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like in movies, it's better. Like there are actors. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like that's a chubby actor. Like I and, and I like him. Like he does his roles that like thanks. Thank you for representing. If you're male, you know? if you're male, huh? if you're male, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For women, it's it's way different. Um, yeah. But in games, it's it's way worse. I mean, even even in movies, I, my immediate thought was Chris Pratt in Parks and Rec was like a cute chubby dude, and then he got big, <laughs> and then, famous, and then he hot, signed a c- and then with like. Yeah, and then he became a dinosaur tamer, and all of a sudden he he is a proud owner of a six pack, and it's like, oh no, wait, I liked Chubby Pratt better. If I had Parks and Rec money, I'd also have like amazing abs and a trainer. (laughs) He did the logical thing. I don't know. I think he's less funny now. Yeah, (laughs) I just I haven't I haven't enjoyed his stuff as much. Even as Star Lord. Even as Star Lord, especially it was Star-Lord. it was okay. <laughs> Star Lord's amazing. I, thought, I, lo- he's, he, I love Star. I thought he was funnier in Parks and Rec than he was in Star Lord. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um. I the reason, uh, Josue. I uh, the reason I phrased it as feeling that a game has met your needs for representation is because I didn't want it to specifically be about ethnicity or specifically about sexuality i wanted to leave it sort of open to all sorts of things yeah yeah um i mean we're we're all 
able-bodied people, but um, disability would also be another thing that I wish had more representation in games. I mean, I wear glasses, so technically that counts, but socially it, it's not considered a disability. I'm diabetic. That counts. <laughs> yeah. And again, I like the phrase of need because you might not, one one of those things may not matter to you, you know? like Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what's a part of your identity? What is important to you? And, and yeah. even that can change in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And there's, you know, you have different needs as a awkward teen than you do as an adult who's kind of got your shit together. <laughs> But um, yeah, that's that's why I left it sort of open ended. Uh, I wanted to talk about um, in Mass Effect, the first Mass Effect, being able to romance Liara, the beautiful blue alien woman, uh, w- made me oh, feel very well. seen as a game <laughs> in the game because I I played as a, a female Commander Shepard and then started up the game. And saw this, you know, beautiful blue alien with freckles. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love her. I want to marry her. <laughs> and then it actually let me romance her. And I was so and the and they continued that into the other games as well, which made me so happy to to have that representation uh, of of, you know, bisexuality, though there is definitely a conversation to be had about um, video games basically sort of sidestepping the conversation of of bisexuality by just being like, Mm. oh, you can romance anybody and nobody's going to say anything about it. There's not really that social element that I have to actually deal with in real life of, you know, people being like, oh, you're dating a dude, so you're straight. Or, oh, you're dating a woman, so you're gay. And it's like, um, no, but cool, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a white woman, so there there are a handful of games that, you know, represent me in that way. I definitely enjoy playing Tomb Raider, though I don't have gigantic boobies, so maybe it doesn't represent me that well, but... Tomb Raider's good for representation of my name. <laughs> That's uh. true. <laughs> that should I, have been your I always, I always get like, oh, like Lara Croft, and I'm like, I had the name first, okay? <laughs> she copied awesome. me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Okay, all right. I have a million more questions, but let's uh, let's wrap up. Okay, yeah. So, so the idea here was to kind of introduce let uh, Lauren's um, video game flag fly. Yay. <laughs> That is that is uh, your thing. That is um, like me and Lara play a lot, but like we don't study. We're right. not studying video games at school or doing a dissertation on death in video games, right? It's it's different. Um, we play the big AAA games. Uh, we play Destiny. We play uh, some indie games. Some, some indie games. <laughs> But I think I think your all our tastes in, in games are, are different anyway, and uh, like I love what you'll bring uh, to the table in that sense. And hopefully, like in the future, we'll have an ongoing segment where you know every now and then we'll 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 talk about games and we'll you know we'll have some sort of deep conversation about either something you know um, current and very relevant related to video games or just something really awesome you know that we uh, can bring up and and talk about it as a group. And so, Lauren, anytime you want to bring those up, let us know. We don't have a name for the segment. So, again, it'll probably just remain play zone as long as Lauren likes it. But if you have a better idea, listener, please let us know. Lauren wants to know, right? I do. Oh, I also, uh, for listeners, please tweet at us your your answers to the questions I asked. I would absolutely love to hear other people's input. I want to hear how you felt represented in a game or your memorable game deaths, though you should probably tweet those at, um, gosh, I think her name is uh, at Gabdar. Gosh, I hope that's right. Um, <laughs> Gabby DeRienzo, uh on the Play Dead podcast. But um, yeah, yeah, please, please tweet at us. I, I want that interaction. Way, is there any way people could submit some type of question into a queue if they have one? <laughs> So, so I've been I've been doing this uh, song and dance every week. I want to hear you say it. Oh, Ali! If somebody wants to ask a question or give comments and feedback to the show, how could they do it? What's the best way? There's a really simple way to do this. And so, what you want to do is you want to go to geektherapy.com/qq. Uh, how do you spell that, Ali? Great question. There's been some confusion, mostly by Ali Matu. And so, it's actually the letter Q followed by the letter Q. Just 
QQ, really simple, um, very easy to remember, geektherapy.com slash QQ. Submit your questions there, and it could be answered on a future episode of GT Radio. Thank you, Ali, for so eloquently uh, spelling out QQ. Anytime. Very helpful. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. It's one of the only times where a Q is not followed by a U in the English language. It's followed by a Q. It's followed by a mm-hmm. Q. Q, Q. Mm-hmm. That's probably where all the confusion came from. <laughs> yeah, that's right, because I'm really great at grammar. <laughs> Sorry to all the Ali's out there. <laughs> yeah, so we're out of time, so we won't do uh, any of the segments. But uh, for more Geek Therapy, visit geektherapy.com. Again, Ali, thank you so much for spelling out QQ. Anytime. And find us on Twitter at Geek Therapy. I'm at Josue A. Cardona. Lauren is at Chicken Dinosaur. Lara is at Geek Therapist. Ali is at Ali Matu. And thank you so much for listening. Please write to us. Let us know what's up. And uh, we'll be back next week. Now exiting the play zone. Game over. <laughs> You've just listened to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. For more about Geek Therapy and our other podcasts, visit geektherapy.com. And for extra content, including our monthly book club and other perks, consider supporting us for as little as $1 a month at our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash geektherapy.